Good to have all of you here again, once again, um, for our series, third message in our series, Tough and Tender. Uh, the year was 1998. Received a phone call. Will you come and serve as missionary to the Navajo people in Farmington, New Mexico? And I accepted that call and went there. And so I came to the Four Corners. I, I came to that place. It was entirely new to me. I had some experience in my background, served for two and a half years on the Rosebud Reservation of South Dakota. So I had some idea of what I was getting into and, and what was going to happen. But I think the thing that struck me most was just the variety of religions and teachings in the area. I mean, it was a cesspool. Uh, probably most popular on the reservation was traditional Navajo religion. Uh, medicine man ceremonies, 90% of the Navajo population, not Christian. Uh, so that was very, pop, that was very popular uh, in that area. Uh, as well, there was the NAC, Native American Church, uh, kind of a combination of Christianity and traditional religion. Uh, in that religion, they made use of peyote. Um, that is a little mushroom that you can eat and digest, and it causes you to hallucinate uh, in the NAC. You can look that up. Uh, along with that, the occult was very active in the Four Corners area, uh, so there were different things that happened with that. It was not uncommon for me from time to time to run into a woman who was a, a Wicca, right, like a, a good witch. So, so there was all of that. Uh, you had LDS, uh, Mormons, uh, you had JWs, uh, and then just a huge variety of Christian denominations. There were like 20 Baptist churches in our area. None of them agreed with each other, which was kind of interesting. Uh, Charismatics, Pentecostals, other major denominations. Uh, we would have evangelists that would come in and, and set up their tent on the res or in town for a while and, and have um, big tent meetings for a week straight and, and praise Jesus. I mean, we had it all. And here's this young guy, Pastor Jim, two and a half years out of school, and my mission board says to me, Pastor Jim, we want you to share the gospel with people in the Four Corners area. So how do you do that? How, how do you show people, say, here's God's word, here's the truth, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How, how do you do that to differentiate yourself from everyone else? Because if you ask someone else, do you believe what you, what do you believe in your religion is true? And that it's taking you closer to God or to heaven. Every single person is going to say, Yes. And so how do you distinguish yourself as being different to say, here's the truth of God's word and I want to share it with you. Patience. And you listen to people. Patience. And you look for their soft spots and what makes them uncomfortable. What, what do they struggle with? Uh, patience. And you talk about God and Jesus in the Bible. And patience. And you learn about the culture and patience and you let the Holy Spirit work. Patience and patience. And I can tell you that in the first seven years of my ministry there, I had exactly this many adult converts. Seven years. And I went to my mission board and I said, we're wasting our synod's money. We're wasting our time. I should probably take a call and go and serve somewhere else. And my mission board and the pastor I was serving with said, no, Jim, don't give up. Keep after it. And I did, and I think God heard my prayer. He saw my frustration, and after that, he kind of opened the floodgates. 
And by the time I left in, in 2015, we could have 30, 40, 50 Native people in worship, along with Hispanic and a few other cultures as well. So God answered my prayer, but it took patience. So why do I share this little story with you? Because Peter touches on it this morning in his second letter. False teachings, false teachers, and the things of this world. There are no shortage of them in our community, in our world, that we can look at to understand these things. In fact, Scripture is very clear to us. Um, We start with Genesis, for example. The beginning of the Bible, chapter 3, there, there was a lie, there was a false teaching that took place. Adam, Eve, did God really say? Yeah, Adam and Eve bid on that one, no pun intended. Right? We go to the other end of the Bible, book of Revelation, chapter 22. In summary, closing words, don't add, don't subtract from God's word. Don't do that. In summary. And just about on every page in between, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, false teachers, false teachings, idolatry, sins the whole way, things that people struggled with since time has begun when it comes to false teachings in our world. And to understand that and to see that is critical. It is. Because what we believe has ramifications for eternity, whether we are focused on the way, the truth, and the life, or some other false teaching that's going to take us away from God and away from our Savior. That was important to Peter in his day. Uh, I think we're familiar with Peter. I, I love Peter. He's so much like me. At times, there, you know, Peter was, was spot on. The question, who do, who do people say I am? Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, Peter. A little later, Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And Peter says, Lord, no, we're not going to let this happen to you. It's like, oh, Peter, no. Later on, Mount of Transfiguration, Peter sees Jesus' glory. Wow, this is great. Jesus, let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Elijah and Moses, one for myself. It's like, right on, Peter. Glory, wonderful. A little while later, Jesus' trial, Peter's like, Jesus who? Right? There were times when Peter's spot on. There's times when Peter not only got his foot caught in his mouth, but his leg as well. Oh, Peter, how could you? And Peter is so much like us. But for Peter, there's something he understood in his own life. And that was grace. And that was mercy. And that was forgiveness in love that Jesus cared about him. And you can bet that Peter often thought about the things he said, the Mount of Transfiguration, and he said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done to me, that you didn't let me chase after the false teachings, the false things I said in my life, but you forgave. And it is this message that Peter wrote about in the second chapter when he just rails tough, tough, tough on false teachings because Peter wanted his readers to be aware of what was going on. Let's take a look at those words. So this is verse in 1 and 2, the beginning of the chapter. Peter says, But there will be false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Many will follow the shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Um, Do you know someone 
Uh, maybe in your family, maybe you yourself, you, you struggle with an autoimmune problem of some type. Maybe it's like Crohn's disease or, or maybe it's arthritis. Um, difficult, right? Um, the autoimmune is kind of an interesting thing. On the one hand, it's a very good thing because it protects our body most of the time. We, we get a cold, we get the flu, rises up, attacks that bug, virus or whatever, and we get healthy. A couple days, we, we feel better. The autoimmune system is good that way. But sometimes the autoimmune system goes awry. We know this. It starts attacking the organs of the body or maybe joints, and there's inflammation, and that causes a lot of problems. It's like, why, why is this doing this? And, and we have some medicine and drugs that we can use for it, but, but we haven't cured it. What Peter describes in these words is kind of like the autoimmune system. There were teachers. They were spot on. They were believers. They looked to Christ. And it was their role and privilege to share that truth with other people within their congregation and setting. But they went awry. And things went bad. And they succumbed to false teachings, not only for themselves, but to those they were serving and also entangled them in those false teachings, leading them not toward God, but leading them away from God. And Peter rails on them. Listen to the words that Peter used. They will bring the way of truth into disrepute, verse 2. Greedy, verse 3. Bold and arrogant, verse 10. Brute beasts, verse 12. Eyes full of adultery. And in the closing words of the chapter 2, he compares them to a sow as well and a dog. We know this, don't we? I mean, what Peter talks about in his day, we, we know this today, sadly, that there are false teachers, there are leaders within the Christian church that lead people away from God and shame Christianity. Open up your tablet, look at the news, read the newspaper, right? Another Christian leader, some affair is going on. Another Christian leader is embezzling money from the church. Another Christian leader leading some lavish lifestyle. You see our Christian leaders doing things that, that bring shame on Christianity and our Savior. And Peter talks about the judgment on them that will take place. And so this is where there's a warning. There's a warning for us and for me as a pastor. As Paul, or as Paul said to young Pastor Timothy, to correctly handle the word of truth, to correctly handle it, Revelation, don't, don't add to it, don't, don't subtract from it. What does that mean? That means law and gospel, sin and grace. It, it means the five G's, to grow and give and grow and all of that. To do those things and to do them in a way that is faithful to Scripture. That is difficult sometimes. That means that, that you have the privilege, the right, at times, to say, Pastor, did, did you get this right? Is this really what this means? You have that. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But this is my first request for you and, and our first takeaway here. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your church leaders. Not only here at 922, but Christianity at large, because Satan is out there. The false teachers are out there leading people away. Pray. Pray for us. And it's also true for people as well. Let's look at those words again. Uh, who they are, eyes full of adultery, and they are like dogs and pigs. 
Now, the opposite of, of praying for someone is to be vigilant and, and to watch. And what does that look like? Well, maybe an example from some years back in my ministry, um, there was a family that kind of drifted from the church. And they came to church once in a while, no Bible study, um, no offerings, the, the fruits, the G's are pretty small uh, in their family. But a family member had a stroke on Sally and it paralyzed both sides of her body. And she was coherent, she could see, she could talk a little bit, uh, but she was in tough shape. And one of the family members said, well, we may as well pull the plug because Aunt Sally wouldn't want to live this way. And I was like, whoa, slow down there. We got the fifth commandment, protect life, preserve life. And, and maybe let's just wait a little bit and see where God leads here, whether she recovers or God takes her home. Well, two days later, God took care of that. He sent his angels, took Aunt Sally to be with him. But, but I share this example because you see what happens when the G's aren't important, when worship or Bible study or prayer or devotional time go, we can become influenced. We can become influenced by the teachings and false teachers of this world who would say quality of life and how you live is much better than preserving life, right? And so, brothers and sisters, vigilance. Vigilance, that's our, our second takeaway. May God grant you vigilance to do that. And the opposite of this, is to be apathetic. Apathetic. That's our next takeaway as well. Lord, keep us from the sin of apathy. Um, great group of people um, that God has gathered here. Great group of people. And what do I mean by that? Another story, when I held the call to come here and serve here in 2015, I, I had many conversations with people. I talked to members, I talked to staff, Conversation after conversation, word after word, great things to say about the leaders and the people of 922. In fact, I went home one night to Rebecca after a conversation, and I told her, I said, there is no sin at St. Peter. <laughs> I said, everyone has good things to say. There is there's no sin there, right? There's not. Well, I, I'm joking, of course. But what am I getting at? This, this is a great group of people, and you, you trust your leaders, and we are appreciated by you, and I can tell you, we as leaders, pastors, appreciate you as well. But be careful. Listen. And watch out. Listen to the words that are spoken from, from pulpit and from pew, in a sense. Pastor Jim, is that what you really wanted to say? Because this is what I thought I heard. Or Pastor Jim, you, you said it in this way. But, but maybe it might be better, better said this way. Or Pastor Jim, I, I heard lots of gospel, but not much law, or a lot of law, but not much gospel. Pastor Jim, is, is that really how you wanted to convey that? You have that responsibility to, to be vigilant and to not fall into the sin of apathy. You see, that was true for Peter as well in his life. That was true. I mean, if you think of Peter for a moment. Where he had been, the things he had done, the things that he said, you know that he was touched by God's grace. You know that he was. Look at how God restored him and brought him back. He preaches this awesome sermon on Pentecost. 3,000 people come to faith. Wow, Peter. And he becomes a leader in the Christian church in Jerusalem. 
And by God's grace, he writes not just one, but, but two letters that we have pre preserved for us in God's word, right? Two letters from Peter. And later on, he becomes a leader in the church at Rome. Somewhere after 64 AD, he is martyred. And we look at Peter and go, wow, all of that from a man who said, I, I don't know you. A man who had some false teachings, false thoughts in his mind was forgiven. And there was grace. And that is what Peter brings out when he talks about those false teachers when he said, those who have been bought. Verse 1, the sovereign Lord who bought them. Um, are you a person who likes to shop? Maybe online or go to the store? Um, I, can, I would say I'm not much of a shopper for myself. Uh, but my wife was out shopping one day at a rummage sale. And she found something very interesting that I want to show you. Um, I'm going to hold this up kind of high here. Um, this is just a little pot of pottery. And it cost me a whole $8. It cost my wife that, right? Um, but she knew what this was. And this is actually Navajo horsehair pottery. And all of this has been etched in here by hand. And this was actually formed by hand. See how delicate and intricate it is? Right? Yeah. Um, my wife and I love Native American arts, and we have a lot of it in our home, but I would have never bought something like this when I was in the Southwest. I would never have bought it uh, because if I were to go into an art gallery or a trading post, this would probably cost between two and $300 to buy this. Um, so pray for me because my wife doesn't know that I brought it here this morning. <laughs> Okay, um, But I, I share this because this is very valuable to us, and this is very important to us. And we have a place for it along with our other art that we have in our home. And we do not plan on getting rid of it. Uh, we are going to keep it. And then one day, um, when my wife and I both iron in glory, it will pass to my children, and they can fight over it. But then again, it could end up back at a rummage sale again for $8. I guess we will see, right? Um, but that was bought and that was very important and valued by us. Um, this is really the picture behind the word that Peter uses, the Lord, the sovereign Lord who bought them. Someone might look at you and go, oh, that person's not worth much, or that's really not that interesting to me. But God comes along and says, wow, look at you. Look at each of you. You are valuable. What a find. And you are important. And I want to take you home. And I, I don't just want you to be with me for this life, but I want you to be with me eternity. I am never going to get rid of you. I'm never going to get rid of you. We know what the price was. We know what the price was of what Jesus did, his substitution, his sacrifice, his perfect life of perfection, conquering the grave, his life, a greater price than any amount of money that we could ever possess in this world. That is for you. The sovereign Lord has bought you. And you belong to him. And we treasure that so much more than some clay piece of pottery. We treasure that. That was true for another gal that I met. Um, her name was D. It's the first letter of her name, D. And she was very much into traditional Navajo religion. Uh, she did the ceremonies, all of them, 
Uh, there's what's called the Yebache dance. Uh, when a person will sit on a sand art um, painting on the desert floor, and it's a way to bring healing to themselves if they're struggling, there's a Yebache dance. Uh, there's a protection uh, ceremony as well. Sometimes a young person would go into the military force, and, and so they would have a sweat and a ceremony to get protection for that person. Or maybe the person is afraid of the skinwalkers. Um, they're animal, demonic creatures that, that chase and torment people, and, and so they seek protection. Or maybe the person is struggling emotionally, behaviorally, and the person is seeking the blessed way, a way of harmony, a way of peace, and they'll go to the medicine man for a ceremony. Dee was into all of this stuff, and she said, Pastor Jim, I, I just felt like I was getting flushed down a toilet, just kept going around, and, and I was afraid of this, and I was afraid of that, and I, was afraid, and I was just always living in fear, and there was another ceremony to do. And then a friend started talking to her about church and Jesus, and I ran into Dee. Dee, Jesus is more powerful, more powerful than skinwalkers. And Jesus is your protection and Jesus is your healing with grace and mercy. And Jesus, there's never anything to fear because he loves you. D, you also have been bought. D loved and treasured the grace and mercy of God. We give thanks for that. We give thanks that Christ has bought us. And we give thanks for what Peter shares with us. Because our final takeaway is this. People can be bought from false teachers. Peter, many others on the faces of, on the pages of Scripture, and us as well. So, brothers and sisters, look and see the takeaways. Look and see the false teachers. Be vigilant. Pray. Don't fall into apathy. May God strengthen us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time because you are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray, Lord, that you would keep us from the distractions of this world, things that look so much greater and more inviting, but help us, Lord, to focus on you. Grant us strength and perseverance in this. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and protection. In Jesus' name, amen.